God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to meet tonight, Lord. And even though we're, 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 we cannot meet physically, God, we are connected by your Holy Spirit. We are connected by you, Jesus Christ. And even though we're, we're connected electronically, we are connected spiritually, Lord. And I thank you for that. I thank you that we can still study your word. We can still still hear from you. We can still worship you like we have been and how sweet it has been. And so, God, I pray for your, your blessing upon your word. And God, speak to us tonight, Lord. Stir our hearts up, God, and help us to to live for you even more, God. And let us not go backwards, God, in our walk with you, but let us move forward in our faith, totally going all out for you, Jesus. So bless your word tonight. Anoint it with your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, in many ways, parents, right? They follow the example of what their parents had taught them. Parents teach the uh, parents now teach the same logic to their kids by saying, "Because I say so, that's why." Or parents will teach the same way with what they learn about the weather, saying, "It looks as if a tornado swept through your room." And parents also pass on the same lessons to their children that they were taught on going to God with your problems by saying, you better pray, that comes out of the carpet. So yes, we have learned a lot from our parents and we pass it on to our children. We are influenced by the examples we grew up with. And funny how, how we follow in their footsteps, right? Even as, as parents now. Well, today though, we know the most important thing is to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And if there's any human example to follow, it's those who live their lives for Jesus Christ. Well, as we return to our study in the book of Philippians, the believers are called to follow now Paul's example. And that is so they may live like how Paul lived for Jesus. The title of our message tonight is Live Like That. Live Like That. We're going to be studying Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Just one verse again this week. Last week we studied verse 8. We go on to verse 9. We're just going to focus in on verse 9. Live like that is our title once again. And our outline is this. Follow the teaching. Number two, follow his example. And number three, follow in practice. Now, uh, I'll give those to you and they'll be on the screen as we go. But first of all, live like that, our title. Let's begin with number one in our outline. Follow the teaching. Follow the teaching. Now, we're going to first read the whole verse and then we're going to focus in on the first part. So let's take a look here now. Verse 9 of Philippians chapter 4. And it says here, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So that's a complete verse we're going to be studying tonight. But we're going to take that apart into three sections. And first of all, though, I, I, before we get into this first section, I want you I want you to see that the apostle is calling on the believers to take what they've learned, what they receive, what they heard and seen in me and Paul, and you know what? Practice. Those things, practice these things. In other words, Paul is saying to follow him in these areas that he's talking about here. 
Live as he lived. That, that's what he's putting out here. As he lived his life for Christ, live as he lived. And this is the whole premise here. This is what we're coming into with this verse. Now we see here, as Paul's writing this, Paul, he's not just sitting in prison, you know, and doing nothing. But he's writing this letter and telling people what to do. And so Paul's calling on him to do what he did. And Paul lived out his faith even being in prison. So he's saying, look, look, I'm here. I'm writing this. I'm still living the life too. But hey, so follow me. Last week we saw in verse 8 the importance of watching what allow what you allow into your mind, right? And we need to clean up our mind. The title was last week, Decluttering Your Mind. For what goes in will come out in the actions you take with the choices you make. So uh, we learned all that last week. You can catch the um, podcast or the, the MP3 later. But um, So what goes in will affect right, how you live your life. And, that is, and, and how you live your life is how we live for Jesus or how we don't live for Jesus. So going on here, Paul now focuses in on how you are to live that life and ask the Philippians to follow the way he lived out his faith. So that's the whole premise here. And he's saying, now, follow me, do what I do. Now, We've seen this before, haven't we? If you remember, and, and turn to the left, or, or maybe it's right there on the same page, at least it is on my Bible, but, but turn to Philippians 3.17 now. Philippians 3.17, and you remember he said there in the previous chapter, he had said, Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So you remember, he talked about saying, imitate me. Now remember, Paul's not prideful here. We learned that he wasn't being prideful. And even here in chapter four, no, he is saying like, imitate me or follow me and how God has worked in my life, taking this messed up, imperfect sinner and making me more like Jesus. Remember that? That's what we learned back in chapter three. So along those lines, when he says, follow me, it's not prideful, being prideful. He's just saying, look, look, look what I'm doing as I live my life for Christ. Okay, so how are believers to follow Paul now with this premise now, right? Let's now focus in this first part, and this is our first section. So again, verse 9 here, take a look. It says, what you have learned and received. So we'll stop right there. This is the first part we're going to take. So Paul says, follow me in what you have learned and received. We have two words that are learned and received. The word learn refers to being discipled, actually. That word is really in reference to that. All the teaching that Paul's given them, the instruction given to them by Paul, how he discipled them out. Now, the word receive actually speaks about the scriptures, the the revelation of God, the truth of God that were taught by Paul to the believers. So, Understand, back then, this was how Christians learned, right? The apostles taught the church. There was no Bibles back then. and There was no uh, New Testament Bible, so to speak, that we have today. So the scriptures were given by the Spirit of God 
through the apostles and they explained in their teaching the truths of God. And, and really, that's what we have now today, right? The teachings that are in these letters and this letter, this epistle to the Philippian church. That's what we're studying. This is the word of God. So this is what uh, a Paul has been teaching them and discipling them. In, and they received that as from God. So this is how the early church was taught the word and discipled by the apostles. So Paul now calls on the Philippian believers to not disregard what they have learned, what they have received, but take it all in and follow the teaching. That's our heading. Now Warren Mearsby wrote here, Facts in the head are not enough. We must also have truth in the heart. And I like that. Because I, I believe what Paul is putting forth here is much of what Warren Risby had, had written in his commentary concerning this verse. And I like that. So, you see, God's teaching is not just in our minds, right? But it should be inside our hearts also. Because once it gets in us in that way from our minds to our hearts, then it becomes a big part of our lives. And so that's the whole effort when he's saying learning and receiving. So we come to this point here. The believers are to take all the teaching and discipleship and make it a big part of their lives. The believers are to take that, that teaching, the discipleship, the word of God, everything they're discipled in, and make it a big part of their lives. And you know how that is? What's well, what Wearsby said. We got to take it from what we hear that are put into our minds, but put it into our hearts and then it'll come out into our lives or become a big part of our lives. Now, I was thinking about it this way. When you're hungry, you, you, you start thinking about food, right? I, I was hungry today, and what came into my mind is, oh, a toasted English muffin with butter and honey on it. Doesn't that sound good right now? Uh, someone had given us a, a, a real tasty jar of honey from their own uh, uh, hives and stuff. And I, all I could do is think about that, you know, and in my mind. And, and so uh, I, I was thinking about, I was hungry. I was thinking about English, toasted English muffin with butter and honey. But here's the thing, right? No matter how much I thought about it, it would never satisfy the hunger until I made it and ate it, right? So I went, toasted the English muffin, put the butter on, put the honey on, spooned it on and all. And, and once it passed from my mouth and went down to my stomach, then only then did I totally experience the yummy, honey, buttery delight of satisfaction. Oh, doesn't that sound good? Well, in the same way, we can have in our minds all that we've been taught or discipled with, but it's not until it goes from our mind and gets down to our heart that we will experience the full effect of our salvation, the full effect of what God has for us. So what we learn here in our mind is supposed to end up here in our heart. So the believers are to take all that teaching, the scriptures, the discipleship that they've learned, and make it a big part of their heart, and it'll be a big part of their lives. Now, is your life with Jesus a real experience? Is it? I mean, I, I, I'm asking you honestly here, and, and just putting out to you, is it real, you know? Or, or is what you've learned 
Yeah, in the Word, or, or as you sit here week to week, and 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 we go through the Bible. What you're learning is it a big part of your life with God, or is it what we say just head knowledge, where it when it should be heart knowledge. You know, I read a part of a testimony of a young woman who was uh, uh, sharing this in church, and and she said this: I grew up in a Christian home. And I learned a lot about the Bible, but it was all head knowledge, not heart knowledge. It wasn't until all that head knowledge moved down to my heart that my life began to change. See, that's a key. That's a key that we can learn a lot. We can put a lot of data and information in our heads, but if it doesn't get to our heart, we're not going to our lives will not change. If it, if it doesn't go from our mind and down into our heart, then it will not be a big part of our life. So what about you? Has your life really changed since you came to Jesus? Or has it just been head knowledge? You know, it's been said the longest distance in the world is the 18 inches from your head to your heart. Well, make a commitment tonight. To really live like that. Let's go on now to number two. Follow his example. We see follow the teaching first of all. And now number two, follow his example. We're going to take a look at the next part. The middle part of Philippians chapter 4 verse 9. So take a look and it says, And heard and seen in me. So uh, Paul's saying what you have heard and seen in me. Now now he brings up two more words here. Paul in his next uh, way the Philippians are to follow Paul is, is what you have heard and seen in me. And the word heard, first of all, refers to what they are currently hearing about him. That's the idea. What What's coming back to him as he stays in prison there. Remember Paul's in prison for his fate, but as they hear directly the news, say, from his, his assistants who's gone there, like Epaphroditus, Timothy, we talked about them, right? Uh, he's heard from, you know, it's come back to the church there that Paul is not given up and, to, and being bold uh, for Jesus, even in prison. He's still there preaching. He's still doing those things and, and living that life. The word seen refers to the past now. Heard is more like, hey, what, what, what you heard is going on with Paul. But now the word seen refers to the past, to what the Philippians saw with their own eyes when Paul ministered to them there in the church in Philippi. So Paul appealed to the believers to look what they've seen firsthand here and to what they've heard that he still lives what he preaches. So we see our Paul modeled how a believer in Jesus is to conduct their daily lives. So this is a call to follow his example, that they would conduct their lives just as Paul is, whether he's in front of them or whether he's far away or whether he's in this situation in prison. Paul did say over in 1 Corinthians 11.1, and he, he said this, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So in that same way we saw in Philippians 3.17, Paul saying, hey, be imitators of me, follow me, follow my pattern. But then he has this here in 1 Corinthians 11.1, as I am of Christ. He's following 
Christ, though. So he's saying, uh, follow my pattern, be imitators of me as I follow Christ Jesus. So here's what Paul is putting forth. He's saying, hey, you know what you, you heard and seen? You know, follow me in that way too. And you can confidently follow me, Paul is saying, because he follows Christ's example. Well, the point here is this. The believers are to pattern their lives after the way Paul lived for Jesus. So that's what Paul's putting forth here now. The believers are to pattern their lives after the way Paul lived for Jesus. Now, in this bag here I brought here tonight uh, is some tools here. And I don't know if maybe someone could tell me, like, like what, what, what is this, right? What, what is this? Well, what is this used for? What is this tool used for? Um, how about you, Joshua? Do you know? Or maybe Sheena, you know. I hear you, right? You know, right? These are cookie cutters, right? And they're used to what? Cut the dough to make cookies. And so you can have cookies patterned after this shape. And we see this, right? This is a star. Many of these cookie cutters are, are from our, our Christmas bag here. So uh, that's why you see that. Or, or you know what this is, right? What is this? It's a Christmas tree, right? So you can make Christmas tree cookies. Or what else we get here? Oh, snowman. I told you this is from Christmas. Um, don't tell the Christmas police person. That we're looking at Christmas stuff, but oh no, she's right here. <laughs> Snowflake, right? Uh, what else we get in here? Oh, what's this? What is what is this? Um, it's, is it a cup? Oh, it's a birthday cake, right? <laughs> um, how about this one? It looks like a whale tail to me. But my wife says it's a wedding dress. <laughs> so anyway, we, we have all these um, different cookie cutters, right? And you use that to cut the dough to pattern it off that shape. So these cutters are to make cookies pattern after a certain shape. Well, think about that. In the same way, believers are to pattern their lives after the way Paul lived for Jesus. So, so Paul's like the, the cookie cutter, and we are to follow his shape, his pattern, how he lived for God. And that's how the believers pattern their life. They follow after Paul in that way. Who do you follow as an example? Of course, we follow Jesus Christ, right? Of course, we follow the example of Jesus. But who other than Jesus, you know, a human being here on this earth right now, do you look to inspire and influence you to live for Jesus? I think that's a good question for us to ask. I mean, um, it doesn't. Maybe they don't have to be alive, you know. But who do you pattern that helps you to live your life better for Christ, right? How they follow Jesus, you know, helps you to learn from them how you know to follow Jesus too. So, who is that? Who who is that for you? You know, who who other than Jesus do you look to? to inspire and influence you to live for Jesus. You know what I love? I love the examples of missionaries in the past and even the present. Uh, I love to, to read their biographies and read little 
uh, short biographies. You can catch them online if you don't have the books. You know, there's a, I forget the sites, Christian Biography or Missionary. Uh, you just do a search on it and, and you'll find a lot of information from a lot of these missionaries. And, and I quote them a lot, the, you know, what they say because it means, they mean a lot to my life and they influence me in a great way. So I encourage you to do that. I'm, I'm encouraged by current missionaries, even the ones we support, you know, all over the world, you know, Romania or Thailand or, or even within our own state, you know, we, we support like Fabian Mona guys and all that. I, I look to also my pastor friends and I, I really admire them and respect them. And, and I, I talk to them. I see what they go through. And I, I ask them questions. Of, wow, what did you do here? How did you do that? You know, and, and things that I go through, I talk to them about too. And they are examples for me to follow as they have a heart and life for Jesus. So I ask you, who do you follow? Do you have examples? You know, for me, it helps to have this human being, yeah? I mean, yes, we follow Jesus and everything we learn in the Bible, but it's so good sometimes to have this human being that you can talk to, and, and perhaps they're not so perfect person, right? But I like how they deal with life and issues in life and relate to God, and even in their failures, even in their successes, even in, in their imperfections. It's so good for me to learn from them. And, and, and that's what Paul is saying here. Hey, guys, follow me and follow my example. I'm not perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm the least of all sinners, but hey, follow my example as I follow Christ. But you know what? And with all of this, I started to think about something else that applies. And, and there's another thing that really convicts me is that, can I myself ever say, like Paul did, imitate me as I follow Christ? I mean, that, I don't know I, I, if I would really say that to anyone. But that should be the goal, right? That should be our goal. Philip, Philip's, uh, Philip, Brooks once said this, Be such a man and live such a life that if every man were such as you and every life a life like yours, this earth would be a paradise. Look at that again. I love it. Be such a man and live such a life that if every man were such as you and every life a life like yours, this earth would be a paradise. Oh, I don't know about you, but that's kind of convicting. You know, but the reality is this. God wants to use us. And in this lost world, we should not be influenced by the world, but influenced by those who follow Christ. We should not follow examples who are in the world. We should not follow the what the world is doing. You know, I, I was reading, I was praying through a Puritan prayer today and and one line really caught me and it says this present evil world and I thought about that oh Lord you know deliver us from that this present evil world and also I was thinking just now that we should not be influenced by the present evil world but you and I should be you know what the influencers in the world we should be the examples of what it means to live for Jesus it should be turned around so we should find people, yeah, we should follow. But at the same time, we should be an example to others, especially 
those we disciple or, or our children and all, but, but even more so, we should be examples what it means to live for Jesus. Now, um, one of the commentators always talks about it this way, and I, and I read someone else and kind of brought to mind that, that you see, this, this is the thought. You see, you are either a thermometer or a thermostat. A thermometer or a thermostat. Think about this now. A thermometer, right, doesn't change anything around it. It changes with the temperature of the environment around it, right? It's influenced from the outside in. It's influenced by the, by what's around it. Whereas a thermostat is designed to change the temperature surrounding it to what it's set to, right? So you see, if if you're like a thermometer, you're affected by the world around you. But if you're like a thermostat, you are the one affecting others around you. Which one are you? Huh? I want to be the thermostat, guys. I want to be that thermostat. I don't want to be a thermometer. I want to live for Jesus and Jesus alone and be that thermostat. The Puritan John Trapp wrote, one live coal may set a whole stack on fire. I love that. That's, that's what I want to be. I want to be that live coal. How about you? Let you and I be the ones on fire for Jesus. Let's live like that. Let's be the examples. Let's be the influencers. Let's not be the other side, right? Let's be the ones who, are, who we can say maybe one day, hey, follow me. Hey, come this way. You know, I live for Jesus. Come, I'll show you how. You know, for many years in Monterey, uh, uh, this California coast town, uh, it was a pelican's paradise. As fishermen cleaned their fish, they they would just throw the scraps to the pelicans, and they just they would just eat for free there. The birds actually grew fat, lazy, contented, and eventually, however. The fishermen learned to use the scraps, and, and so they no longer just threw them over to the birds, uh, to the pelicans. So when that change came, the pelicans made no effort to fish for themselves. They, they lost it, basically. They waited around. They began to grow, grow thin and, and gaunt, and many of them even starved to death. They had forgotten how to fish for themselves. But the city got together, they talked about it, and a problem was solved by importing new pelicans from the south. These birds, they are accustomed to foraging for themselves. They were placed among the, the starving cousins, and the newcomers immediately started going catching fish for themselves. And then before long, the hungry pelicans followed them, and the famine was ended for the pelicans. I like that story. Have you forgotten what it was like to really walk with God? It's time to get back on fire. Find and follow those who are on fire. And you know what? If you're on fire, grab those who aren't and bring and get them on fire with, uh, with Jesus Christ too. So let us all commit to Jesus, learn again, and be that hot coal. All right, let's move on here to number three, follow in practice. Follow in practice. Live like that is our title. We want to live like that. Follow the teaching. Follow his example. And now the last part of verse 9, follow in practice. So take a look with me there. Verse 9, 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, and it says here at the end, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So, Paul's saying, what you've learned, right, and received, what you heard and seen in me, practice these things. Take a look at that at, at, at first. The practice refers to not just doing, but to repeat the action. Really, that, that, the essence of the Greek word talks about that. To, it, it, it's like saying habitually do something or continually conduct yourself in these things, in the things that Paul just talked about. So the idea now is to apply this in your life. And we've been talking about that already. And, but, but now we want to bring in this thought about practicing these things, to do these things regularly, to put them into practice, so to speak. That's probably how we would say that today. This is what Paul does so the Philippians should also follow in practice. James chapter 1 Verse 22, it says this, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So you understand that, yeah? We've got to be doers of it, or not just hear it. We've got to live it out. We've got to apply it. We've got to practice what God has given us to do. So this brings it all together, what Paul, what Paul taught and discipled them in, what Paul showed them in example, in his conduct, in his life. Now, Believers are to put that into practice. So this is our first point. The believers are now called to action and consistently live for Jesus. Believers are now called to action now and consistently live for Jesus. And, and I like this practice part, you guys, that we would consistently do that, right? We consistently take what we know and live and and do it. Be, and that's what Paul's doing. He's reminding them to do this very thing. You know, the other day I was I was looking for a shirt to wear, taking a shower. So I was, I was looking for a shirt, you know, going to my rack. And I was looking for one to match my shorts. Because sometimes Kristen says, I come out of the closet. And she says, uh, that doesn't match. But uh, anyway, I came across and there's this black shirt I saw. And it looked brand new. And at first I thought, what? What, what is this one, right? But, you know, I'd forgotten last February, someone had given this shirt to me at the End Times Conference we were at on the Big Island. And so at that moment, I was happily reminded that, hey, I got, I got a shirt. It's still brand new looking. You know, the black's are real black, real crisp looking and everything. Well, here's the thing. Paul's saying a similar thing. Look, you have already what I taught you, right? It's like in your clothes rack. You have... My example, I've shown you. It's like there, hanging right there. So be reminded, it's t not time now, you know what? To put on that shirt, to put on Jesus Christ, to start living for God like how we should be. If you are a Christian, the means to live that life, your life for God, is already there in Jesus. He's given it to us. He's given us this life. We are new creations now. He's freed us from sin and death, and now we can make the choice to live for Him. And so Paul's like, start living now. Take what I've taught you. Take what I discipled you. Take it from your head. Put it into, into your heart. Make this a big part of your life. And you know what? Begin to follow me in everything that you, you've seen and heard me uh, hear of what I'm doing in my conduct. You know, start living. The believers are now called to 
action and consistently live for Jesus. Listen, tonight, this is a word for all of us. It's time for action. It's time for change. It's time to grab what God has already given you. It's, it's hanging there. It's ready for you. Put it on. Put on the Lord Christ. Put on the new person. Uh, Ephesians talks about, you know, begin to live that life. Have you been holding back from that? Maybe what, what happens if we don't do that? We're, we're, we can be all talk but no walk, right? We can say, oh, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. Are you? Does it show in your life? What are you doing with your life right now? Is it what, what Paul is putting forth? Is it following in his footsteps? Is it following in Jesus' footsteps even? Let's start to live this life that God has gifted to us. Think about that. God has gifted us this life. He gives us the very breath in our lungs. All things consist in Him. He holds everything together. He's given us opportunity and gifted us this life to live for Jesus, and it's to live for Jesus alone. You know, it's time now to, to just to stop just saying, oh, I'm a Christian, and, and not living like Christian. But it's time now to match what we say and how we live. Do you claim to be a believer? But does your life back up your claim? Be real to who you are in Jesus and, and stop playing the, the, the game here. The Anglican and English statements from statement from long ago, states, statesman uh, Francis Bacon wrote. I think he lived in the 1600s or so. But he said this, It is not what men eat, but what they digest that makes them strong. Not what we gain, but what we save, that makes us rich. Not what we read, but what we remember that makes us learned. Not what we preach, but what we practice that makes us Christians. Let us do that, guys. Let us be what Paul Paul was, you know, as he called the believers in, in Philippi to follow him. Let's do the same. Paul's one of my heroes, too. As I read and study him, I, I love his life, his boldness and, and on fire for Jesus, everything, his zeal for God. So let us be like him and practice what we preach. Okay, lastly now, Paul says, practice these things. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. So the God of peace is the God who is the giver of peace, right? It's that peace we talked about up in verse 7 that Paul wrote, wrote about, the peace that surpasses all understanding. When we pray and give our worries to God with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to Him, then, the, then God will fill us with that peace that passes, surpasses all understanding. Well, this God who is that giver of peace, the God of peace, which is one of his attributes too, uh, or his character, right? Paul's saying, then God will be with you. In other words, those who practice these things will follow Paul's example, uh, uh, follow his teaching, his discipleship, do those things, practice all those things. They will enjoy God's presence in their life. So, when you follow in practice, our heading, you will experience the presence of God in your life. 
2 Corinthians 13.11 says this, Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So, same thing. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13.11 that, hey, do these things, do these things, live in peace, and the God, but he adds love and peace, the God of love and peace, will be with you. His presence will be with you. He'll be right there with you. You see, here's the idea. That this is where God wants you to be, walking and living your life fully for Him. And if this is the kind of life God wants you to live, then you will experience the presence of God in the fullest sense in your life. Think of it this way. Sin and disobedience separates us from God. Right before Jesus Christ, we were separated from God. We did not have a relationship with God. And and so God was, we would say, more farther away. But Jesus died on a cross for our sins, and we came in faith and believed in Him, and our sins were forgiven. We were reconciled, the Bible says, with God. We have a relationship now with God when we're saved. And the life we live with God now, and as we live the life He intended for human beings to live, then that connects us with God and we have God's presence in our life more than what it was before. And the more we live for Him, the more we we do what is said here, the more we're going to see God's presence and sense and have that connection with Him. That. Me, that that's what it talks of what we talk about when we say we got to have this intimate relationship with God. That's that relationship we we have. Or think about it this way: that's what Adam and Eve lost, right? When they sinned in the Garden of Eden, they were cast out of the garden. He used to walk with God, right, and all that, but sin cast them out of the garden. But now in Jesus Christ, we can come back and be reconciled. So. As we live like God intended, as we live in the way that God wills for us, as we live out this new creation, we will experience God more in our life, and the God of peace will be with you like never before. So, the second point here, and this is our last point for tonight, believers will experience more of God's presence and involvement when they practice what they believe. It makes sense though, right? Believers will experience more of God's presence and involvement when they practice what they believe. You know, God is always growing us. God is always bringing us to a place where where we're more surrendered. Our life is more under His control. Our life is more lived in obedience to Him. We're practicing what He shows us in the Bible because we're becoming more like Christ. We're living out this new life in that way. And as we do, it, it seems like we have this better connection with the Lord. It seems like He's He's more involved and we see God even more in our life. You know, uh, today I was talking to Pastor Roy, um, you know, of Camp Agape, and he was telling me today uh, different things. We're having a uh, talking story and good fellowship. But anyway, he was telling me how this stay-at-home, you know, order, uh, this lockdown, has been really good for him and his family. They have really been able to spend more time together. And we were talking about that, how even though it's it's a bad time, you know, where this crisis we're in, 
we still see good in the middle of all that's going on here. And that's what God has done. God has used this for, for many of you dads, right? I mean, I, I, you've been telling me the same thing as I talk to you. you. You've become closer to your family or your wife, and you're doing more in your spiritual leadership at home, and you're just loving. loving. I was talking to someone just the other day, and just she was just all oh, just gushing out with all, all that God was doing, and he's just so excited to be able to minister uh, and, and talk and get closer to his family. So I guess I, I could say, when you really walk with the Lord and do those things that he wants you to do, and as he, we learn the lessons, we could say, right, that we it seems like, and it is, that God's presence is stronger more than before. And, and that's the point. Believers experience more of God's presence and involvement when they practice what they believe. See, when you and I begin to truly live the life that God intended us in, in Jesus, we will find God there, right? And of course, right? Of course, we should know that. So let me ask you, do you yearn for more of God in your life? I do. Do you thirst for Him like the psalmist said? Do you, do you wish, I mean, sometimes I wish, Lord, I, I wish I wouldn't be so blind that I wish you could open the, or like we were seeing, open the eyes of my heart so I can see you more clearly as you're working in my life and working around me and not be so caught up, you know, in me. Well, you know how that comes? It comes in practicing what he's been telling us to do. I'll tell you, I think the biggest area for me, and I guess we all have, is, is our stubbornness. How hard-headed we can be to die to ourselves. Listen, God is speaking to you and I tonight. God is saying, give in. Be obedient. Practice your faith and just do what I'm asking you to do. Believe in me and then you'll see what I can do. You know what God is saying? God is saying, I'm working. And all of this that I'm asking you to do, God's saying, I'm working to clear out the debris, to clear out the clutter, to make room for the Holy Spirit to work more in your life. And God's saying, when you release the control, then you are able to see the presence of God in your life. That's what's happening. This is what Paul is saying. This is what the Lord is asking us tonight. Let me close with this. Um, many years ago, the communist government in China commissioned an author, a writer, to write this biography of Hudson Taylor with the purpose of intentionally distorting the facts and presenting him in a bad light. Now, you remember Hudson Taylor, one of my hero missionaries. He, uh, he was a pioneer missionary in China who brought the gospel to China in the 1800s. Him, along with a couple other people, they say they were the pioneer people who, who brought Jesus in. And today, they, they, they brought Jesus. And if you look today, there's millions and millions of, of, of Christians in China because of his work. So the Chinese Communist government didn't like that, so they wanted someone to write uh, about him in a bad way. So they wanted to dis dis discredit the name of this missionary. So during the time this commission author was doing his research, he was 
actually increasingly impressed by Hudson Taylor's godly character and godly life. And so this writer found it extremely difficult to carry out his assigned task with a clear conscience. And you know what happened? Eventually, at the risk of his own life, he laid aside his pen, uh, renounced his atheism, and received Jesus as his personal Savior. Isn't that awesome? So you see, whether you realize it or not, your example leaves an impression on others. And that might even lead them to Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? That Hudson Taylor who had passed years and years and years and years ago. Yeah, This Chinese writer, atheist, came to Jesus because of his example. I think that's awesome. And so that is even more true. And I see this Hudson Taylor. That is especially true when when people can truly see that God is with you. And certainly that's what we see with Hudson Taylor. So let that be in us too, that God's presence goes with us in how we live our life. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life like that of Hudson Taylor. I want to live a life like that of Paul, how he lived his life fully, sold out, on fire for Jesus. I want to live like that. Let's pray. Jesus, as we come before you, we ask for your forgiveness, Lord, and we ask that you would just cleanse our hearts right now from our sins, and uh, all of us, Lord, we, we, we failed you in many ways, and, and in different areas, God, we still hold on to, we are not really giving up or following the examples or, or bringing from our mind to our heart, Lord, uh, making... Th- uh, what you want us to be a big part of our lives, Lord. But God, we, we want to practice, Lord, what you've shown us. And that is our desire, Lord. I know, I know it is mine, God. And, and though I fail you, I know even in the failures, it's part of my growth. And you see them. Even my failures is part of me giving up a little more to you, saying, God, I can't do it. Help me. And then you say, I know you can't, and that's why I will help you. And so, Lord, we come all, all of us, before you in just humbleness and surrender, Lord. And we come just acknowledging you as our God, our Lord, our Savior, Lord. And we ask, God, that you would help us, God, to practice those things that you've given us, that we would live the life, Lord, that you've given us, that it would be for you, Jesus, and Jesus, you alone. That, it, you know, when it comes down to it, it, it we struggle because we want to live it for ourselves. But ultimately, God, we just want to lay it all down before you and say, here you go, Lord. We are a living sacrifice given over to you. And here's our life. Here's our heart. Here's everything, God. And we give it to you right now. Lord, thank you for being in our lives. Thank you for loving us so much, God. And thank you that you care for us more than we can really understand more than we know. But thank you that every minute, every second, God, you are there, Lord. You are there. And you love us. And you're caring for us. And and you look upon us as your child. Thank you, God, in your name. Amen. <laughs>